Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we discuss money talks for modern couples, prenups, debt, and financial togetherness. can't wait to share the gems that Shello has for you guys this episode. Uh, before we jump into that, I would love for you guys to share your opinions with us about relationships. There is a survey linked in the show notes that is helping us to really understand couples and their needs so that we can serve them better. It is maximum three to five minutes and you can do it on your phone. It's just a couple of questions. So if you would please help us to understand relationships better, go ahead and click the link below to complete the survey. Thank you. Today, we are honored to have Shello, a seasoned financial expert. With over nine years of experience in the finance sector, she now leads as a CEO of Black Woman Invest. What started out as a Facebook group has also blossomed into a community of over 13,000 women united in their journey to learn about investing and wealth building. Shello, recently celebrating her marriage, will be sharing her financial acumen within the realm of relationships. Beyond being our esteemed podcast guest, Shello is a dear friend for over a decade. I can personally vouch for her authenticity, expertise, and the exceptional person that she is. It is an absolute privilege to introduce my friend and finance extraordinaire, Shello. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm excited to to be here to share my journey. I actually started in my investment journey back in 2015. I had heard about stocks and, you know, was taught here and there about stocks and stuff, but it was around 2015 where I was introduced to real estate investing. And that's when I started to take it very seriously. So, well, I'll say this is when I started my career. Prior to that, what led to it? Yeah, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. So the very, very beginning of this journey started from hearing different people talk about stocks over the course of my life. And mm. I had no idea what this was. Okay. I remember hearing a kid from high school talk about how he trades stocks with his with his dad. And again, no idea. I was like, okay, that's that's him. And as I as I went into college. I knew that I wanted to study finance and I wanted to do something for my people, for the people around me, wanted to figure out how can I actually help people. And so I went into the direction of finance because I wanted to be a financial advisor. And very soon I realized that financial advisors typically help people who have money already. Mm. (laughs) And what I realized was that the reason why my people, my family, my community didn't have the money was because they lacked education Mm. and real estate investing was the way out for that. So in 2015, I took my first real estate investing class and it was amazing. And that was it for me. And that was the direction that I took my career in. And I've worked in real estate for the last eight years, specifically in the investment field. I've been licensed for several years now. 
And I primarily work with people who are investors and looking for an investment property, whether it's to buy and hold or to fix and flip or whatever the goal is. And, you know, I, I feel that that's a direction that is great for, you know, for myself and for a lot of people, because when it comes to real estate, it don't matter if you're from jail or Yale. Okay. It doesn't matter what your background is like it's for everyone. And so that's kind of where it started for me. I bought my very first stock back in 2014, right? Before I even knew what the heck I was doing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I wanted to like jump into it. And now fast forward from buying this stock and really losing money on it to many years later, I'm now working within the field of finance and helping women to understand investing so that they don't waste their money and waste their time like I did. Mm. And and really, I have a, a company, Black Women Invest, that has over 13,000 women who are a part of it now. And we provide classes and other resources for women. Yeah, yeah. First of all, <laughs> amazing. I'm telling you, what you're doing is crazy. But I did want to hear a little bit more about kind of your background with money. And like, you know, how you were raised, what conversations did you hear about money? And if that, if you noticed how that made a difference in relationships around you, curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the conversations that I had were very interesting, right? It was me going to the store and saying and hearing, don't touch that if you can't buy it, right? Mm. Um, And you know, and and that has an effect on kids when you are constantly being told that we can't afford this or we're not able to buy this. And so in my mind, right, developing, I would have this feeling like I can't afford it. Now I've shifted my mindset into how can I afford it? Mm. Uh, so I'm grateful for that change. But really, I, I didn't grow up. I grew up with quite a, I have five siblings. Mm-hmm. And so I was always in a very full house. And we didn't lack anything, but I was mindful that I couldn't get everything that I wanted and needed. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what I will say though, is even throughout that process, even though my parents weren't really financially literate, um, they made decisions that I think um, I was able to really learn from. So they Mm. purchased land over the years and I thought, okay, that's cool. You know, you're supposed to purchase land. Okay, right. And another thing I observed was they would give us allowance. It was a dollar a day. And I remember being in middle school and I was like, this is not enough money. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would go to the corner store and buy chips for 25 cents and go to my classmates and sell them for 50 cents. And every week my goal was to double my money, right? I was that hustler. I had no idea that that was technically investing, buy low, sell high, right? Um, But that was like my experience. And then the final uh, thing that I remember that really shifted my mindset and has helped me was when I was around 12 years old and I was selling chips and I had saved $100 and I was really good at just that hustle. Right. I'm talking about like if I didn't if I didn't sell everything in school, I was selling to my siblings because I'm like wow. y'all across the street. So here, go ahead and buy this 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my dad saw this and he said to me, Shelameth, you are always going to be good with money. And I remember exactly where he was standing when he said that. I remember the feeling I had when I heard that. 
and it does something to you as a child. Wow. And this is a lesson for parents all in all, like be mindful of what you're speaking to your child about money and about their comprehension. Yeah. Um, but with that line, I mean, you know, it's 20, almost 20 years later and I still recall it. Yeah. Um, so that was my experience. Yeah. 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 So how did that impact or how do you feel like how did that show up for in relationships? Because you said that although you didn't have everything, you had everything that you needed, maybe not everything you wanted, but you had everything you needed. And did you ever see how that came through positively or negatively with your parents in their relationship? I think I, I think that so my parents are from Haiti and I think the mindset overall is just very much different. It's from the very beginning, they came in with almost nothing. And so they've been able to work together throughout everything. And I've never felt that, oh, this belonged to my mom and this belonged mm-hmm. to my dad. It always was the both of them. Yeah. So I I think that that translated to the way that I view marriage now. I'm a newlywed mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'm, I still, I came into this with the mentality, like this is ours. So I said this before we got on, but they know that you're my friend. <laughs> and that we've been friends for a long time we have a very similar background with the we're in the same city you know come from the same background as far as Haitian parents and that has definitely been something and that's why I wanted you to talk about it because you know I think that sometimes we underestimate in our relationships how our past affects our present and sometimes we're making decisions based off of our past into our present we don't really know that right whether it's with money we may think like oh I'm just bad with money but you know sometimes you have to just explore a little bit deeper to see why where did I learn this from and things like that so it's interesting that you mentioned you know the parents mindset because I feel like I feel the same way like even though I didn't have everything I wanted I felt secure you know most of the time with with my parents and I feel like they taught me a lot of things especially like what maybe is like a custom in this country is not a custom in their country like the debt you know, things like that. Everything that my parents had, they worked for, they saved for, they did ISOs, which is like, I don't know if that's yes. investing, but that's like, <laughs> like some type of financial group, like in the community. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot of things from them, right? Some positive, some negative, but to the listeners who's listening, you know, I always encourage you to like, look at your background, look at your past, you know, just explore a little bit deeper because those things may be affecting your present decisions. Yeah. So. And I, mean, I gave I gave a good example. Right. But then okay. there are tons of negatives that okay. I'm just picked up on. And it's going to take me some while, uh, take me a while to actually catch. But I think right off the bat, a negative that I'm very much mindful of is there's a feeling there's still that lingering feeling that, you know, I, I can't afford it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I've trained my mind to say, yes, how can I afford it? Of course. But that feeling still lingers in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. There's also the feeling of like what is important. Right. The needs is what my parents always provided me with. But after going so long with just needs and not wants, now it's almost impossible for buying something for me to buy something that I want. Right. Like I I feel sometimes that I don't have anything luxury. Right. I don't own any. I have not purchased any luxury items before. And I feel sometimes that maybe I need to in order for me to overcome that feeling of, you know, being uncomfortable about buying something that I want. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then at the same time, I feel like I feel like I'm going to cry, you know, purchasing something like how can I buy something this expensive 
because I want it. No, you don't need it. And it's just this constant battle. And I know that's something that I picked up from growing up and hearing the lessons and things from uh, my parents about, about money. Girl, you, you, like you speaking my language for sure. For me, I think it's the hustle culture, like just never stop working. And that has been one of the negatives for sure, where it's just like, you just got to keep going. You got to, if you stop, then, you know, something bad may happen. You may go broke or whatever, and you just got to keep going, keep going. So very similar in that respect. Um, I want to get into the meat and the potatoes of this episode. And to do that, I want to kind of read off to you a couple of quotes that I've gotten from a study. And then we're going to kind of go into the questions, but just for you to mull over and think about it. So one, money is the number one issue married couples argue about. 86% of couples who got married in the last five years started out in debt. The higher a couple's debt burden, the more likely they are to argue about money. And the last quote says, couples in healthy marriages are much more likely to talk about their money dreams and make long-term money goals. Mm -hmm. So just wanted you to think about those things as we continue to these these questions. The first thing is we're going to talk about money being the number one thing that people argue about. Lord have mercy. (laughs) As a newlywed yourself, I really want to hear your insight on how couples, how can newlyweds approach merging their financial lives while respecting their individual financial goals and habits. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because this whole topic that we're talking about is really money in a modern perspective, because we just talked about our parents, the way they did it was very different, right? And more and I'll say specifically with women, because you work with women as well. More women are getting married later. More women have more, you know, more income than before, you know, and navigating that, especially in the social platforms, you see, like, it's a hard conversation for people to understand. So in regards to coming together in marriage, where most, most often now people are coming together with things like with, you know, assets and a certain amount of income and investments and, properties, things like that. So what do you think? Yeah, you're right. You know, women are making a lot more money now Mm -hmm. and we are used to getting what we want and being in control of our finances. So now, you know, a lot of people struggle to kind of merge that and find that balance within the relationship now that you're married. I think that it's important to talk about finances and have this conversation first and foremost way before you get married. Okay. Way before. <laughs> this needs to be a part of the dating conversations that oh, you have. Wow. You need to be open about how much money you're making, right? Because think about it. If you're dating with the intention of getting married, then everything that you're doing is going to really cater to creating a lifestyle and a marriage that you know you want, right? Together mm-hmm. with this person, that mm-hmm. union. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So if you find out during the dating process that you're making more money than your man and you realize, wow, he's a jealous person, okay? Think about that feeling and having to deal with that in a marriage. I'd rather find out way before. That's good. That's good. So so the conversation needs to happen during the dating process as part of the vetting process during your dating. Okay. Mm. It don't got to be first date, fourth, fifth date conversation, but you guys are in a relationship now and things are serious. Then you need to start having this conversation about how do you view money? And, and so I think that from the very beginning, you want to start talking about the type of lifestyle that you want to, to live. Like you mentioned in the statistic about, you know, couples who, who openly talk about these things, they last and they're happy. Okay. So you don't have to sign the paper and be officially married for you to be happy about sharing your dreams with your partner. So starting that very early on, I think will help, but also, Yeah. Talking about not only the income, but what are your goals? When you think about retirement around Mm -hmm. what time are you thinking, right? When kids get in the mix, finances should change because your money is being allocated differently. So start talking about what do you see, right? Maybe I've always wanted my kids to be in private school and I never vocalized that during my dating. Now, all of a sudden we have kids and I'm you're talking about public school? Oh, absolutely not, right? I'm, I work hard. I make all this money. Of course, our kids are supposed to go to private school. Mm-hmm. And so this can be a point of tension. Mm-hmm. And so um, talking about literally all those things, I think it's going to be important because then you can feel while you're dating, right? You still feel like you're an individual and you're able to share what you actually want versus when you're in the marriage already mm-hmm. and you have to think about we, 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 right? It's, it, you know, we know this, right? It's very easy for after you get married, you start to form into this person that you don't even realize and you your mindset is about the we. But if you're dating and you're vetting the person and you're sharing, this is what I've always wanted, mm-hmm. it gives that person the freedom to also say what they've all, always wanted and mm-hmm. talk about those things. So that way you can keep that individuality and you know, very early on. And then in terms of habits, you know, you know, talking about what is sharing what your habits are in terms of finances, like when you get your paycheck, this is what I do, right? This is, I I pay tithes. This sound real vulnerable. This sound real vulnerable. What you're talking (laughs) about. It's not an easy conversation to have. It's not. Yeah. But the habits, right? Yeah. I, I have a friend who when she was dating this guy, she found out that he didn't believe in paying tithes, right? Because for him, he couldn't imagine I'm pay- I'm making six figures. Why would I pay four figures to a church? Mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense to him. Mm-hmm. So imagine you never talk about this and then you get married and then you're paying tithes and you're trying to, no, it doesn't, it's not good. So you want to yeah. find out those habits as far as like, what, where exactly does your money go? It doesn't have to be exact, right? Because you're still dating and you're still vetting the person, but for the most part, where's your money going and what kind of habits have you formed? And then that way, yeah, it kind of relieves the pressure as you're leading to marriage. I love that you mentioned having this conversation during dating as a vetting process, because I think that in the way that you explained, it was really nice because I think that most of the time when you hear about conversations in the dating space, especially with women, it seemed as a very shallow conversation where like, oh, how much, how many figures you make? You know, like, is he six feet, six figures? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I can't remember the six, but it's like six, 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 right? But they, it's almost like, almost like a, sh- a shallow conversation where it's like, oh, is that, do you just want me for my money? But I love the way that you're explaining it in a way that like, if the person can't even have the conversation, if the person seems jealous, like these are a way for you to like see red flags. And I think that's very healthy. I like that. I really like that. And, you know, for those of us who make money, like making six figures and stuff, and there's a lot of people who feel uncomfortable for many reasons. Maybe you're so used to being like financially abused by the people you're dating or even by your family. So you do have a guard up. A good way to transition into those conversations is to first talk about your goals, like your life goals and where do you see yourself? Because then I start to, you know, put some dollar signs behind these goals, right? <laughs> you, you tell me you want to travel someplace every month. Yeah. So I'm like, that, that means we need to make it, you know, X, Y, Z, things start to add up. So you're just uh-huh. dreaming together can help to break that wall. And then you you slowly get into the finances. So it doesn't all have to be aggressive all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I highly recommend talking about, you know, where is your goals, right? When do you want to retire? Yeah. And uh, talking about this thing. Then the next conversation, talk about how much money do you want to retire with? Or yeah, what's yeah, your yeah. income going to be when yeah, you retire yeah. from where? And then you go into those. That is great advice (laughs) that is great advice for all of our listeners who are dating or maybe in the pre-engagement stage maybe engagement stage that is a great way to start to have the conversation another thing that you mentioned is like talking about the habits and the reason why I say it's a vulnerable thing because if you have good habits then it's like it's easier to talk about but when you have bad habits it's a little bit right because it really reflects you know, maybe certain flaws that you may have. Like if you're an overspender, maybe you are retail therapy, right? Maybe that's how you emotionally cope. So it's like, it's, it brings on another conversation. Money, interestingly enough, brings on another conversation. It's not just about the money, about you overspending. It's the fact that I overspend because I do retail therapy. So, you know, that's probably something that, you know, if you're listening you may have to have that conversation with yourself first and figure out maybe those negative habits, those good habits, those bad habits, and do a little deep dive mm-hmm. <laughs> before you, especially if you're in the dating phase or pre-engagement phase, to kind of get a better understanding for yourself, girl. Because I'm just thinking about myself and I'm like, dang, <laughs> what habits do I have? But my husband and I, we started from nothing. So the conversation of money has been easy when you counting hundreds (laughs) it's all that's in front of you this is where we we're at (laughs) you know but still we still had to talk about habits because I'm definitely a spender and he is a saver but also a spender which is so weird but he spends on memories like that's the only thing Jiren would be like not think about it like are we going to make a memory all right (laughs) Right. But other than that, he's just like, for what? Like, why are we spending money? But yeah, those are things that we have to talk about as well. Even Mm -hmm. being married. So before marriage and in marriage, a conversation continues. Yeah. So moving on. I want to talk about prenups because we're talking about modern couples, modern money. And as we mentioned before, the way women and men are coming into marriage is different. Yeah. Even I have this statistic here in 1998, most people were coming into marriage at like 25, 26 guys. That's right out of college. There's very little (laughs) 
right? Women were like 25, men were like 26. Now Mm -hmm. coming into 2021, women are 28 and men are 30.6, right? Once you start hitting those late 20s, early 30s, you know, things start Mm -hmm. shifting, especially like in the technological age, people will start making money real early. Okay, with technology. So I just want to talk about prenups. Like, as we mentioned before, people are coming in with assets and and it could be a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. So one, I want to hear your opinion on it first, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, I think everything starts with communication. So my question is like, what's the reason you actually want the prenup? Because you know how there are things that we say we want, and then there's like an underlying reason, and then there's an under underlying reason that sometimes we don't even identify because we're not like, we're just not in tune with ourselves enough to even be able to identify. Mm -hmm. So those are like the questions that the person who's listening needs to answer for themselves, right? Even before you go to the person, okay, and you start having this conversation, think about is, do I believe in this? If so, why? If so, if not, why not? Right. For myself, my fear was bringing up this word can basically put it out there that this may not work out. Okay. So there's this like fear in the air. And so then where does this fear come from? Right. So the, the questions that you um, really want to ask is like, yeah, why, what's the purpose of this prenup for me? Because for some people it's wanting to protect their assets so that they can pass it on to their family, right? Because they've seen their mom and dad struggle, so they want to be able to provide for them. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's a great reason to have a prenup in place. And if anything, that can be a conversation that you address during marriage about how can we make sure that your parents are good, right? How can we make sure that your nieces and nephews receive money from you Mm. on the regular or when you pass and et cetera. And I don't take that from you. Mm. So I, you know, I would encourage people to reflect on that for some people, it's more about their children. If you're coming into the marriage with children, yeah, like for me, it makes sense, right? You want to make sure that your kids don't get screwed over. If something happens to you, Mm -hmm. if whether you pass or the person passes, you know, you want to start to think about what happens to my children, what happens to our children. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is all our children at this point or whatever, but I still came in here with some people. And so I need to take care of mine. So if there's a way to address those real issues, those underlying issues beforehand, that would be great. And then also, yeah, just discussing that within the context of prenup would make sense. I've heard about one, I think this was a movie where their prenup agreement was that if we ever want to get divorced, we need to have a divorce party and we need to re-invite everybody that we invited oh, wow. to our wedding to come <laughs> to this divorce party. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you can imagine how uncomfortable that is, right? So yeah. prenups don't always have to be about finances. Yeah. It can be about like, these are the steps we're going to take mm-hmm. if something happens. So I, 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 yeah, I think those questions are important to reflect on. I really appreciate you being open to prenups, because I think that some people may feel like in order for you to be traditional, you can't like adopt certain like modern perspectives. But what you said, I think is so true, because I think that modern love, if you if you guys listen to me, you know, I talk about Esther Perel and she talks about modern love, like 
we are moving a little bit different. It doesn't mean that we have to throw away traditions, but things have changed. And I think that one thing is that people are coming to relationships a little bit differently, right? People are coming into relationship with children and they're coming into relationship with businesses. They're coming into relationships with houses and, you know, things like that. So people really have to do consider, you know, these type of things, prenups, which is probably wasn't a conversation before. And I think that prenups also allow a conversation. It like, it, it, it kind of forces a little bit, those yeah. nitty gritty details to have that conversation. Um, and another thing that you mentioned, which is sometimes prenups is not always about the assets and things, because I've heard people do prenups to talk about um, staying home with the children. Like, hey, right. right? Like, I'm, I'm going to have children. You're not yeah. about to leave me with them kids, okay? This is going to be the setup. I'm going to lose my income. I want to stay home for three years. What does that look like? Are you providing for right. me? You know, and- I guess for some people, if they're uncomfortable with the actual document, you know, then I get that. But I I think that, and to be honest, this has been part of my maturity because I was thinking in a a traditional mindset where like, okay, no, if you love each other, then you don't need a prenup. But then after growing a little bit and understanding that people are coming into relationships in different aspects and how prenups can be used beneficially, like can be used in a good way, right? It, like you said, if you're having that conversation, asking yourself why, you know, hopefully it's not coming just out of fear. It can be used for good. It could be used for good. It doesn't have to mean that you guys are not in love or it doesn't have to mean that you guys are like destined to be divorced. <laughs> Cause I've heard that argument as well. Like if you get a prenup, that means you're agreeing that it's going to end. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't know if I agree with those sentiments anymore. <laughs> yeah. There are some states that every state has different laws in regards to protecting the spouses as they, you know, get a divorce. And and really it's been designed to mostly benefit women because a lot of women for a very long time were not working. It was the man that was working and they were taking care of the well, technically, I think being a mom is two jobs, right? That's that's what you know, statistics show. So for a lot of women, they're putting in the work at the home and not necessarily bringing in money. So when they get a divorce, they end up getting screwed over. And so this is why different laws have been put in place to kind of protect those spouses who are staying at home and not bringing in an income. So I would encourage people who are considering prenups to start to look at what is going on in your state, right? What, how am I protected? You know, if something happens, if so, you know, what are some examples of situations and stories where the person got screwed over and why? And just kind of do, not doing obsessive research, like, mm. you know, so you don't go crazy, go down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but um, just kind of understand, right? Because I know, for example, a simple example, the state of Texas is one of the states where I think there's a few states, I think there's like nine states where if you're buying a house, even if you're buying it in your name alone, right, Chrislyn, and you're you're using your income, you have to put your husband's name on the title. And yeah, and so this is communal states, basically. So you basically want to make sure that, hey, my state ain't one of the, the nine, right? If my state it doesn't protect myself, then essentially how can I make sure that this property that we bought together, even though it's under their name, that I can find a way in 
so that I'm not screwed over and left without a house, right? And again, you can get an attorney involved and stuff. And for a lot of people, they may, unfortunately, a lot of women don't fight for these things and we end up getting screwed over. But baby, my name's on the title. So you cannot sell this without me. You cannot do anything. This is my property too, right? So I, I think hopefully if you're getting married and you're thinking about this stuff, hopefully you're doing the type of research to figure out how can I protect myself all in all. And another thing I was going to say in regards to that, be willing to compromise when you do have these conversations, because if you guys do have differing opinions, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person doesn't believe in the marriage. Mm. It doesn't. Because it may be those fears and insecurities that they have yet addressed. Mm. They've yet to address. So that can come from what they've witnessed over the years. So be willing to compromise and then be transparent, right? It's one thing to be honest, but when you're transparent, it's different, right? Being transparent is, this is what I think about prenups and this is why. Being transparent is also saying, hey, by the way, I have debt and I know I told you it's 10,000, but it's actually IRS money that I owe, right? So it's like, you know, you know, I owe here, I know there. And like, you're transparent about your finances all in all, because then that can help you to figure out, does it make sense to have a prenup, right? That can help, help that person to make that decision as well. Yeah. So those things I would add. All good things, but you mentioned something. Sorry, you wanted to say something? Yeah, overall, I would say if you are going to have the conversation, mm-hmm. make sure that it's a time where you're uninterrupted and you both are calm and you're relaxed. Come on. And it's not after you watched a movie that talked about a divorce and somebody <laughs> screwed over, okay? <laughs> you know, it's a time calm. Both, right. Yeah. It's, it's a time when you both are like, hey, we're going to talk about this and- this is when you're happy in your relationship, right? And not yeah. the times when you mad at each other and yeah. you like, Mm-mm, we engage. Hold on, let's have this conversation. So yeah, just make sure that it's a good time. That is such a great point. I actually want to share with you and our audience um, this amazing drink that I've been trying. It's called Magic Mind. And it has been working wonders for me. Oftentimes I'm waking up early with the girls and it can be difficult because, you know, I'm groggy and I haven't gotten enough rest. And I take this drink, it's called Magic Mind, and it's all natural. That's the best thing about it because there's no crash after you take it. So it has matcha in it, ashwagandha, cordyceps, and a few other things. Um, And it's all natural and it really just gives me that boost without that caffeine crash. And I'm so grateful because they're actually giving me the opportunity to share it with you all as well. So if you go to magicmind.com forward slash black marriage, you can get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days if you use our code black marriage 20. Again, you go to magicmind.com forward slash black marriage and get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my code black marriage 20. You mentioned that. And that's the next thing I want to talk about, because, again, we're talking about modern love and debt is a real. Okay, I want to share this uh, statistic. According to Experian, average total consumer debt in 2022 was one hundred and one thousand. This is for households. And that is up 10 percent from 2020. So it's over 
101000 So the question mm-hmm. is, debt is often very challenging in relationships. What strategies can couples employ to manage and reduce their con- combined debts effectively? And anything else that you want to add in regards to debt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of those conversations you want to have early, right? As far as how, yes, of course, you want to ask them, how much debt do you have? But you also want to ask questions like, do you even believe in paying off debt? Because some people don't. They're like, I'm going to let this thing go into collections. And seven years later, it'll fall off. We good, right? Mm -hmm. So talk about your views on debt. I think to manage debt effectively. So first and foremost, being on that same page. You want to be on the same page with one another and understand what your debt goals are. When I first took Dave Ramsey's course, Mm -hmm. right, way back in the day, he Mm -hmm. talked about get rid of debt, get rid of it as quickly as you can and pay off your debt. This is a snowball strategy. And he kept talking about these things. And I would say that that's extremely important for the average American, for sure, because a lot of us just we just can't control ourselves, unfortunately. So I think that advice is very effective. But then when I got into real estate investing, I heard my teachers, every single one of them say, forget everything you learned from Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Throw that out the water, okay? Okay. And you need to get in debt in order for you to invest in real estate. This is called leveraging. Okay, so I have these conflicting viewpoints. Well, you told me to do this and then you told me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounded all of a sudden by investors who were even using credit card debt to buy and flip houses, right? Leveraging this, yeah. So credit card debt and every other type, getting money from their friends and family, from borrowing from their personal 401ks and, you know, borrowing from the other person's retirement account. So I heard this viewpoint of, this new viewpoint of debt and it shaped how I view debt. Right. Mm. Uh, so again, communication is very important. So I think that there's a balance for me mm. and my husband as well. There's a balance that we're willing to have. And then there's the bad debt that we're just not really willing to carry on. Mm. Right. Where you bought this beautiful handbag or this beautiful mug. Right. And you bought it for $15 on credit. And then now years later, you're still paying it off. You end up paying. for this, for this mug. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of debts that I do not like, right? The bad debt. So I would say to bring it back to your question about the strategies that couples can employ. I think that again, first thing is communicate and understand what debt is. What do you feel comfortable with? What do I feel comfortable with? And then you prioritize on the bad debt. So it's probably going to come down to you paying down the high interest debts first. Mm-hmm. So the credit cards that are 25%, prioritize on that. Even in some cases, even if it's less money that's owed than a credit card that's on, that's you know 22%. So prioritizing that because ultimately you end up paying more money on the on those debts than you would have, mm-hmm. right? The other ones. So I think that creating a strategy around that is going to be important. And yeah, I hope this is sounding cohesive because I feel like I'm just like throwing things out there, but (laughs) create a strategy Mm -hmm. um, on how you can prioritize the high uh, interest debts. And then like one example for myself and my husband, we got into the habit of like, 
your income goes here and my income goes there. If we have any extra money that comes in, this is going towards paying down this credit card or paying towards that instead. So, so think about that, right? Or maybe if there's just one person that has an income, maybe the other person to help with the debt payoff, that second person can prioritize ways on saving money in the household, mm. right? So, hey, I may not be bringing in income right now, but I can clip coupons. I can go online and research what are people doing to save on on food. You see these shows where yeah. these women <laughs> coming out the grocery <laughs> store and the grocery store owe them money, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So if I can find a way to do that for my household, that's a contribution that I'm making right now. Mm-hmm. So now the extra five, six hundred dollars that we're spending on food can go towards credit card payments. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about being on the same team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then along the way, find ways to celebrate your success. It does not necessarily mean that you're going out to eat now, right? Now you spend a hundred dollars. Like you coming for me. <laughs> Right. But so it doesn't have to always be that way. It can Mm -hmm. be like this time we're going to have a, we're going to make the same food, but we're going to have a picnic. Okay. Outside. Or this time we're celebrating by going on Groupon and finding a class that we both enjoy to do together or finding a, an activity, a free activity or a discounted activity that's going on in the city that we go and attend together or just a bottle of wine. Right. Whatever your version of celebrating that success looks like. Yeah. And set those in advance, right? Set what in advance? Set those goals and those, the mm. way that you want to celebrate, okay. set them in advance so that you do know coming in what you're going to spend money on. And yeah. it just helps you with your overall plan. Yeah. I think that you were making a lot of sense. So I'm just going <laughs> to. Okay. I'm just like. No, you were making a lot of sense. I think ultimately what I heard you say is getting on the same page. One thing we talk about on this podcast is that every relationship is unique, right? So you have the relationships who's like zero debt. You know, we have the zero base budget, you know, but then you have couples where it's, it's a little different where they kind of do mix or maybe they're okay with a certain amount of debt. So I think it's just important. Like you mentioned, is like getting on the same page getting aligned with your goals, working towards those goals, celebrating as you're going, you know, but most importantly, y'all got to be on the same page. (laughs) Cause if if you're like, no, I do credit cards and you're like, no, I do zero. And then you guys are pulling each other apart instead of working together. Right. And compromising, like you mentioned before, sometimes you got to lose a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have on my notes on the same page, like (laughs) literally word for word, on the same page approach. That's yes. what you have to, to have. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So I want to talk about a little bit more of your expertise, which is wealth and investing. So we know that a lot of people are getting onto investing now, you know, like maybe where it was only accessible to those with wealth. A lot of average people, part of what you're doing with in teaching black women invest and teaching women how to like access this, this they're using this as their part of their wealth journey in investing. So I want to talk about, could you share some insights into how couples can align their investment strategies to work towards shared financial aspirations that was wordy (laughs) Mm -hmm, but let's talk about investment in regards to building wealth in relationships and marriages yeah so piggybacking on the uh, statistic that you shared earlier 
it's true that studies have found that couples who share their finances are more likely to be happy in their marriage mm-hmm. than couples who keep their finances separate, right? Yeah. And happiness, of course, is one of the biggest goals. So I, I think that being on the same page financially, hands down, is the most important thing. And in regards to investing, you'll you'll be surprised to find that people tend to have different viewpoints on what they want to invest in. Mm. And the reason is because we all have different risk tolerance. So I'm actually reading a book called The Psychology of Money, highly recommend it. And one of the points that they share is that nobody's crazy. You know how you look at some people and you're just like, why would you do that? You know, or why aren't you investing? And then you you go back to their history and what has led them there and it all makes sense. And so oftentimes what what determines that is how the economy is doing typically into their early adulthood. So in your 20s, in your early 30s, depending on how the economy is performing, that's going to shape the way that the person views risk and the way that the person views investing as a whole. Maybe in a, maybe you're going into adulthood around the time of, uh, you know, around 2008, 2009, right? Around the time of the, the last housing market crash. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you ain't got no, absolutely no trust in the housing market or investing in real estate. And you think to yourself, right? Maybe you've seen this in your partner and you can't understand why you're trying to explain to them, like it was, you know, it was this, it was that. And look at all the success and you just can't understand why, but you need to remember that nobody's crazy and understand that this may be a risk that they're not willing to take. So if you Mm -hmm. come into this with a heart of really serving and being humble and trying to understand it's going to really help when you're building your investment goals. Mm. And then also understand and be willing to understand that that person may not feel comfortable with what your risk level is. Okay. Maybe you're like, this ain't risky. You may be like, this ain't risky. This is just me putting X amount right into this stock. But for for the person, it may be risky. Mm. So with that in mind, figure out how both of you can be happy, okay? So if you both have two different risk tolerances and you have different things that you want to invest in, different things that you believe in investing in, allow this person to to have that, right? And allow yourself to have that. So being on the same page is basically agreeing that I may not, you know, I may not truly understand and believe in real estate, but I'm going to put some of our money into this. I'm willing to do this. This Mm -hmm. is our money because I know this is something you believe in. Mm -hmm. And now now that person is doing the same thing for you. And then you have those mutual investments that you both believe in. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Yo, I'm learning so much right now because what you just said about different risk tolerances, I've never looked at it that way. And I'm like... I'm like reflecting on it in my own marriage. And I'm like, yeah, that's very true because my grandmother was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship feels normal to me. Like my brother is into it. And 
I definitely feel more comfortable betting on myself. My husband does not have that risk level, you know, (laughs) and, you know, in a good way, he is comfortable with being an employee, not in like a negative way, but like in a a good way. Right. And to be honest, thank God, (laughs) because right. I need that stability for sure. Because while I'm trying to run out there and be like, yeah, let's just bet on ourselves. Right. Because we know a lot of businesses fail. Right. He's like, "Mm, let me keep this job. (laughs) Right. But I love the way that you're posing that because now I'm thinking of it that way, because sometimes we are having the conversations talking about those goals. And I'm like, oh, babe, I would love to like, you know, buy houses and flip them or buy condos and, you know, rent them out. And he's just like, and I'm just like, why can't he like, I don't, it, get, right? yeah. don't you know that this is like really good way, like for us to make money and, you know, yeah. build wealth. And so I just, I'm just going to think of it in that way and like really have the conversation about his risk, risk tolerance, which at this point I feel like is very low, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but I have seen him bend to me. Right. So where I have to bend to him and say, no, he's comfortable with this, you know, he has been to me where it's just like, okay, this is really important to you. I'm willing to give this amount to what you're mm-hmm. doing to this endeavor. You know, I don't want us to go too far, but I'm willing to do that, you know, and that mm-hmm. makes me feel supported. It helps us have the conversation, but I've never looked at it just in the conversation of like how we view risk. And now mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it up that way and really kind of <laughs> get to know, like, where is your risk level? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. And you know, a good way to bring up investing is, especially for someone who, let's say if you have a spouse who does not have that uh, high risk tolerance, think about what they know and what they're good at and what they're confident in, right? Maybe your spouse is an engineer. They don't know nothing about stocks, but they know everything about engineering. So a way to, to meet in the middle and speak their language is to find those engineering stocks that are, that you understand and that you've done your due diligence on and presenting it to them because they understand, oh yeah, I know this company and I understand how this operates. For me, my husband is in the startup space, right? I don't know nothing about no startups, right? (laughs) And, but he is extremely knowledgeable about startups, you know, the valuation of startups and everything about it. And so as a result of him being very confident, he, he's presented investments in, in startup companies to me. And even though I don't know what this is and I don't fully believe in these startups, I have compromised in that sense and said, all right, let's invest in it. And so for me, imagine if I said no, and I'm like, this is what we should invest in because this has history and this and that. Right. So then how can I expect for this person to compromise for Mm -hmm. me? So I'm glad that, you know, I did kind of find that language that he Mm -hmm. speaks and, and I would encourage anybody to do that too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to get into stocks and you, you know, you want to talk to this person, either find out what it is that they know and they're comfortable with or find something, I guess, something related, maybe something that they have grown up knowing, mm-hmm. start to just kind of think creatively. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. First of all, <laughs> Shallow's dropping gems. All right. 
to my listeners, to those who's watching, Shello is dropping gems, okay? And it it just it just really feels like realistic, relatable advice. You know what I'm saying? To really yeah. have those conversations. And that's what I love about it. That's what we're about. We're about yeah. real life marriage, real yeah. life goals, okay? I would say, and, I'm sorry. just going to add my two cents. I'm going to add my two cents here. And I would say that marriage is really humbling. I have heard for many years that you have to die to self every day. And in every sense of that word, it is true. You have to die to self. So really, as long as you are thinking about how can I serve my spouse? How can I put this person Mm -hmm. first? And I'm talking about, of course, both people thinking this way, right? It's easy to listen to this podcast and be like, "Mm, hold on, you need to, you know, hitting up your spouse, you need to listen to this one, right? Mm -hmm. And you heard them, how do you serve your wife, right? That's easy to say stuff like that, but really reflect on this for yourself if you're listening. How do I put this person first? And I think if you have that approach overall, Mm -hmm. being humble, putting the person first, caring for this person's feelings, their their risk tolerance, thinking Mm -hmm. about how are they feeling and their experiences with money? If you really think about it in that approach, you should have some great success within yeah. the area of finances. Yeah, that is good for sure. I want to continue on the conversation of investing because maybe someone who hasn't heard about investing, I wanted you to share So when it comes to investing, what are like the entry points for couples who are new to this area and want to start building wealth together? I think the last time I talked to you, you mentioned something about 401k plans. So if just all that wealth that you have for the person who maybe don't even know what investing is. Yeah, I think the first thing, the first entry point needs to be education. Mm. So my husband and I have been doing financial date nights for years. Okay. We started this two years before, no, three years before we got married. Wow. And and so we've been pretty much consistent with it, unless we're out of town or something like that. But every week we meet and we're talking about our finances. We're discussing about, let's say we're going on a trip. So we're talking about the budgeting for the trip. We are reading books together. This is our time to play games, you know, that are financially, financial games But one of the things that we did when we started was, well, first we talked about our goals and we went through that whole process and we wrote everything down. But the second thing was we started taking classes together. So we started to pay for classes and we would review them that night together, Mm. take notes together, pause the video, talk about what we learned. And we still do that to this day. Wow. We still do that. And it's something that we're excited about. So it doesn't feel like, oh, you know, I got to go do this thing with my with my man, right? So I think that for the couples who are new to investing, find ways to educate yourself mm. and make it fun, mm. okay? Find ways to educate yourselves together so that you're learning things together and you can share things together. And in some cases, it may be effective for you to learn one thing and the other person learns something else and then you share it together during your financial date nights mm-hmm. and you talk about how you can implement it together in relation to, in relation to your to your marriage and in relation to you as individuals so i think that's like the very first thing and then the second thing would then be going into where are you right now right so when you start to build that foundation and you understand finances you understand investing you then start to reflect on 
what do I have right now? What accounts do I have available for me? Uh, like you mentioned, 401k, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that they have this available in their jobs or in their past jobs that they were receiving money from their companies. So start with that, right? Start with that account and then start thinking about IRAs and et cetera. Again, it's about your, you know, the like the previous conversation we had, mm-hmm. your risk tolerance, what do you want to get together? What do you believe in? So I think that those like basic accounts would be important to learn about together and open together and invest in together. Mm. Another good strategy, right? So a third one would be to focus on real estate. So if you know that part of your goals while you were dating, you both said, I want to buy a house. Great. That's your strategy. Think about that in relation to wealth, right? So you're going to buy your house, let's say your first year of marriage. You buy the house. Now you think about, you know, let's talk about buying buying another house the next year, right? What does that look like? So maybe an approach can be, so yeah, essentially what I'm saying is a, a good approach in relation to building wealth together can be real estate, right? So it can be, mm-hmm. right? If this is a strategy that you believe in and it falls in your risk tolerance level, then consider buying a house every year together. Consider you know, buying this house, living in it, renting it out after one year, do it again, mm-hmm. buy the house, live in it, you know, rehab the house if you need to, and talk about doing that together, you know, as part of that way to build wealth together. So, so yeah, I think that there's a lot of approaches, but it really boils down to educating yourselves. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And prioritizing education and figuring out based on what we're learning, what do we really want? Is it going to be a real estate approach? Is it going to be a stock approach? Starting with what you have mm-hmm. and reviewing what accounts and op- opportunities are available for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's good information, but there's something that you mentioned in there that I want to hear a little bit more about. You okay. said financial date nights, or that's what you said, right? Yes. Financial know. date nights. I want to hear a little bit about that because most date nights we're talking about, you know, red lobster and steaks <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or like doing something fun, but financial date nights. Very interesting. I want to hear a little bit more about that. And what does that look like? Yeah. And you should do the fun date nights for sure. That yeah. should not be compromised. Yeah. A financial date night should also happen in where you're prioritizing your wealth. Like we just shared you know, facts about how important finances are and the effect of, you know, the positive effect of continuously speaking about finances. So it's no doubt that the conversations need to be had and they need to be had on the regular, Mm. right? Mm. So think about it in relationships, right? Or in marriage, imagine having sex one time a month, right? Mm. That that relationship ain't fun. No, I I don't want to be a part of that one right there. Okay. (laughs) You can't do that. Yeah. Every book, every therapist will tell you, you need to have this on the regular in order for you to have a healthy relationship. Mm. So if every book and everybody's telling you, you need to talk about your finances and prioritize your finances Mm. on the regular, why are we having these conversations once a month and once a quarter? Mm. How do relationships going to thrive? Yeah. So this is why we do our date nights, our financial date nights once a week. And, and we prioritize really just this being an opportunity to grow together financially. So even, so there's, when we first started, 
Uh, I'll just kind of give you an example of how it how we work to where it is now. But when we yeah. first first started, my husband Rob he shared where he wanted to be in life and what goals he had, and he asked me to do the same. So we took some time to do it that day, and then we came back the next week and shared everything that we came up with and everything we thought about over the week. And um, his list was like three pages long. Mine was like five points. Like, I want to retire by 35. I want to travel the world. I wanted this, that, you know? And so this was like our time to talk about our crazy dreams. Okay. So even that second week when we touched base, I got more ideas about what I really wanted. Cause I started to hear what he was saying. I'm like, you know what, actually my list should be longer. So we did it again and we gave ourselves a good three weeks for us to think through those crazy dreams, those things that we just kind of put in the back of our head and we're like, oh, if it happens, it happens. So we started writing out everything, right? Like I want to own real estate in Africa. I had no idea he wanted to own real estate in Africa until we started talking about this. So we would write out all these things and then we started going into strategy a little bit more slowly. Mm -hmm. So we went into the education. Well, we want to do these things, but where do we lack? So we need to get educated on this, this, and this. So then we started finding classes together to help us to reach those goals. And we started taking classes together. And during our financial date nights, it's also the time where we also talk about our budgets. So we review uh, at the time when we were dating, we weren't putting money together, but we would only put money together when we were traveling. So we would talk about our travel budgets together Mm. and review our past finances. If we hit our goals, if we hit our budget. And so we started talking about those things. Now that we're married, we use this time to also talk about budget and where are we spending our money and doing the review and et cetera. I don't want it to be of time where it's draining and it's no longer fun. So Mm. there's times when during our financial date nights, we talk about the fun things again. Like, what do we really want, right? Like, what are we excited to spend our money on? Mm-hmm. How much, what's your net worth goal, right? Like, then we talk about what is our net worth goal? And we talk about what's the financial independence number that we both have as a married couple, mm-hmm. right? How much money do we want to have in our account that would be enough for the both of us to retire? So we talk about the fun things. Yeah. This is also the time when we learn, like I said, we learn together through books, as well as, you know, if, if somebody wants to start a financial, I know I just listed a bunch of stuff, but if somebody wants to start a financial date night, something that you can do is playing a financial game together, like the cash flow quadrant uh, game, you know, those types of things, playing something together that can get the conversation going mm-hmm. and and do the serious stuff too, but make it fun every now and then. I didn't think finances could be fun. <laughs> I think the reason why they talk about, you know, it being the number one thing that people argue about, because usually money is super sensitive, you know, but I think what I, what I'm hearing you saying and the advice that you're giving is that keeping the conversation continuous is being more proactive than reactive than like, you know, instead of having conversations, somebody got laid off and now we're like trying to scramble or like, you know, we don't even know what's in the savings. You're spending this, you're spending that. Right. And we're trying to scramble, but it's like a fun way to keep the conversation continuous in your relationship. But I think what I really love about that is like, it keeps you on the same page towards the same goals, which for me makes me feel like it, it makes the goals more attainable. 
Yeah. Because right? you're both working together towards the same thing because you keep having these conversations. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm hearing you saying. And I, and I love that. Because yeah. we know that's a conversation that needs to be continuously happening, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to finances. And I'll say just for me, I know to have the conversation about budget. But to be honest, that's just as much as as far as we've gotten. Now that we've kind of kind of like rolled into this entrepreneurship you know, phase that we're in. Now we're having like a lot more, you know, deeper conversations outside of the budget, you know, and like, like you mentioned reading books and like, Hey babe, this is what I learned, you know, but now I'm thinking, Oh, maybe we should read these books together. Right. Because I'm on this side of it. I'm doing things and I'm sharing with junior, but never thought to like put it together or make it fun. But I love that. You know, finances don't have to be so stringent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, another good reason why you should have a financial date night, like one night that's dedicated to finances is because knowing that finances can really bring a lot of stress to relationships, you want to allocate all of that, you know, they, they got out the budget, you pissed off, right? Oh, it's Monday. All right, our financial date night is Thursday. Let me hold it. Okay. (laughs) So you bring it all together on Thursday and you Mm -hmm. talk about these things because especially if it does, if it is an uncomfortable conversation and it does bring up stress and it does bring up tension, Mm -hmm. you know, at least Mm -hmm. this is just one night. And this is not something that you talk about here and there and there and there, right? It's not something Mm -hmm. that you're talking about all throughout the week. No, we save it save my feelings, save my thoughts. So it's less pressure. And you focus on that one day to talk about money. That is very good because if you're the type of person who doesn't think about money and then you're married to the person who like counting every penny, mm-hmm. right? That person, and I'm safe for myself. I'm that person who's like, I want to talk about it all the time, but that could be overwhelming to the other person. So reserving it to one day is kind of like y'all both can like, you know talk it forces that person who doesn't want to talk about it to talk about it and it forces the other person who want to talk about it all the time to mm-hmm. condense it to this one space where it's tolerable and you know amicable in, in a way yeah you yeah. should also have an agenda coming into it because if you are the type of person who always wants to talk about it your list this may be very long mm. and you talk about everything from budgeting to the uh, travel budget to you know why did you spend money on this and oh I'm gonna have to spend money on my hair and this and that and She's it's just gonna be too Lord. much for yeah. one night <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about it yeah. no you know it's like if you want to talk about the budget mm-hmm. okay tonight we talk about where have, where has our money gone so far? So we're doing the review. And then the next week we talk about the budget itself and where are we actually going to put our money towards next, Mm -hmm. right? It don't have to be in one night Mm. and, and agree on a, on a timeframe. If it's one hour, if it's an hour and a half, especially for the person who may feel overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. they don't want to have a three hour long conversation. This is no longer fun for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. At this point, they just, yes. You know, approving everything. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You just you don't want that. So agree yeah. on a time frame and agree on an agenda. Yeah, yeah. Dang, shoot, that is that's good. I'm learning so much. I really am. I'm learning so much as we're coming to a close of this episode with all these gems. 
I want to, this is the part where we talk about all the tips and advice. And we've already been sprinkling tips and advice throughout this whole thing. But I want to, you know, just give dedicated time to those tips and advice that you would give to those who are dating and as a newlywed, maybe those big important things. So we talked about a lot of things already, (laughs) but just to proactively address finances and Mm -hmm. where do you start when we're talking about finances in regards to like, in in regards to their relationship? So not Mm -hmm. like, you know, like budgeting or stuff, but just in their relationship and talking about finances. Yeah. I think to start, come in with a very humble mind. Mm. And that's like the biggest, biggest advice I can give. Be humble and be willing to compromise Mm. and be willing to learn because there's always something to learn. Always something to learn from your partner. And there's always something to learn in relation to finances. Mm. Um, And come to an agreement on what you both want to prioritize in regards to finances. For some people, certain things may be more important than others, right? Paying off debt may be more important than investing, right? So, and then some people it's like, I'd rather take, I'd rather pay the minimum balance on my credit card and take the rest of the money and invest it in this, which will give me a better return or buy a house, which which I can rent out. So talk about those important things mm-hmm. and you know, be transparent about that. If anything, I think the order in which you should think about finances is first and foremost, talk about it when you're dating, okay? Mm-hmm. Vet them out, see where they at, okay? Now, if you're in the marriage, think about the goals, the bigger vision, and share these things with each other. Be open and transparent about these things. Be open and transparent, of course, about where you are in your finances and what you're paying, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then create a strategy together. Right. So some something that a few things that I would say are super important to talk about retirement. Okay. Kids, mm. family, right? Not not like the your, you know, husband and wife, kids, family, but like my siblings, my nieces and nephews, my parents, like that family. That's um, good. talk about yeah, you you want to know what's the strategy. Even before I get married, I want to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Now that I'm married and I'm making money how much money can we allocate to giving to our elderly parents? Are we going to give to them in this regard? Or are we going to buy an investment property where they can earn, you know, the profit from this property? Are we going to make a different type of investment? You know, create that strategy mm-hmm. and talk, talking about that piece about your family as early as possible is going to save you so much heartache. <laughs> okay. So good. It's going to save you so many arguments because you think about everybody wants to take care of their mama who take, took care of them. So, you know, of course, so just think through these things that can be potentially problematic. Prior to getting married, I've been saying for so long that I want to retire at the age of 35. And so for some people, they may not want their wife retiring that early. What you mean? You know, what you going to be doing all day? I'm at the beach. Okay. I am. I did my work. I'm, I put in my work, I put in my investments, now I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And maybe this person uh, may not be on the same page, right? But also, or maybe this person wants to retire with you. So now you start talking about how can we get there together? Mm-hmm. So retirement in regards to, you know, what is our expenses going to look like? Where are we going to retire? That's a big one. Are we going to move away? Are we going to stay here? Are we going to move closer to your parents or my parents? 
you know, so talking about those things, talking about finances in relation to your children, right? How are you going to teach your kids about finances? Is that something you're going to prioritize? Wow. Do you believe in giving your kids allowance? Do you believe in your kids working at the age of blank, right? Or working through college? Do you believe in paying for your kids' college? So you plan for these things. Wow. So I think the to answer your question about kind of like where to start and stuff is having these open and honest conversations about like I would say those main things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coming coming in humble. Humble. Okay. <laughs> Let me highlight that. Face on the ground, humble. Okay. <laughs> coming in very, very humble. I love yeah. that. I I think that I feel like you made it like very possible, you know, because as we read that finances is hard to talk about, but just the way you broke down everything, it feels like very possible. It can be amicable. It can be calm, you know, you know, because some people just rather not talk about it and just Mm -hmm. like, maybe it's uncomfortable, you know, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you're coming in humble. Okay. That's the Mm -hmm. word of the day, guys. Humble. If you're coming in humble and really wanting to work it, work it out and talk about your goals and get on the same page and, you know, things like that, things very possible to end this episode. I would love for you to shout out all of the things, tell them where they can find you, tell them what you are up to share all of your things. Yeah. So I, you can find me online mm-hmm. on both Facebook and on Instagram. My Instagram is invest with Shello. Shello is spelled S-C-H-E-L-O. My company's Instagram is black woman invest underscore. So that's woman with an E, E-N. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Facebook group. It currently has over 13,000 members, a part of it. So you're welcome to join. You're welcome to invite someone who you feel should be there. Another place you can find me is I'm hosting a brunch in Washington, D.C., and we are trying to fill the room with amazing Black women. And we're looking to have 200 women in the room, actually. So this is going to be on September 16, 2023. And we actually have brunches all throughout the year. So just look out for that. Join our mailing list. You can do that on our website. You can also join the Facebook group and you'll hear about all the events that we have going on. We also have (laughs) chapters throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So if you live in any of those cities, you're welcome to join. That's blackwomeninvest.com slash chapters. And you can see the list of cities that's on there. So that way you can stay connected to women who are on that same journey, who have the same mindset and want to learn about finances and grow in their finances. And then finally, (laughs) the last place you can find me is we have what's called the Black Women Invest Experiences, which are international real estate tours. So we recently went to Ghana together and we looked at investment properties. Some people just went because they were like, I want to go to Africa. That's fine. You can still join and you come and you, you see the real estate as well. So we're doing Ghana again in 2024. And we're also going to be doing Bali and Italy. So you can catch me at any of those trips. Wow, 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 wow. Amazing. Thank you again, Shello, for joining this episode. Guys, everything that she mentioned, all the statistics that we share, all of her information is going to be in the show notes. You don't have to worry about uh, writing everything down (laughs) as you're listening. I'm going to have everything uh, for you guys to 
check her out. But that's all that we have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you guys soon.